It doesn't matter if you love him or capital H-I-M. Just put your paws up. Because you were born this way, baby. Good afternoon, everyone. You are listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm your host, Andy Otto, and executive director of Twin Cities Pride. I want to welcome you to our show. Our goal is always to keep you in the know by hitting important topics, upcoming events, and let you know how you can get involved. But of course, we cannot get started without saying good afternoon to my co-host, Strangler, schedule <laughs> aficionado, Rena. Yes. Hi. Good afternoon, Andy. Um, I, hello to all of our listeners. We are so, so happy you're joining us today because we are covering a very important topic for the LGBTQ plus community today, which is mental health and mental health care. And we are so happy to have Becky McNatton with us today, the owner and president of Becoming Together Therapy and Wellness Collective. Um, Becky is here with us in the studio so that we can uh, start a conversation about this very, very timely and important topic right now. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yes. Mental health. Yes. We're so glad you're here. Glad to be here. Yes. Um, So fun fact, when we first started planning um, this radio program, mental health was one of the things that we first talked about because there's still that icky stigma Mm -hmm. around mental health and yet it's so important and so prevalent in, I think, just the general population, let alone the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. Um, So... We're just, yeah, super excited and um, Becoming Together has always been a great partner with Twin Cities Pride and you guys speak up and advocate out in our safe space for our community, which I think is important to to point out. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about us? Where, where do you come from? What makes you want to do this type of work? Yeah, well, uh, I'm super happy to be here today. Yeah. I've been a social worker for my whole professional career. So uh, my background is in social work. I have my bachelor's, master's, and I'm actually in school right now. So I'm getting my doctorate, too. Um, Good for you. Yeah, thank you. And I, I, I really did not go into social work thinking I want to do clinical work at all. Um, <laughs> and I think as lots of us who love our jobs, so you two mm-hmm. probably sitting here as well, we... Uh, what we are passionate about kind of finds us too, and we yeah. don't necessarily seek it. It lands in our, and, and the world wants us to meet it. So, Very so I true. did, and <laughs> um, and then have have really been in the mental health worlds for about the last fifteen years, and worked with clients of all ages, and and then about a year and a half ago, decided to hang my own shingle and start my own practice. Mm-hmm. And and really wanted to develop something in Minnesota that was different from what people may be finding in mental health care other places. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think some of that is the world in a kind of post-COVID or COVID-integrated space. People are looking for wellness in all sorts of ways and, and becoming together is looking at trying to expand the paradigm of what wellness is. How do we, how do we think about not mental illness, but mental wellness? Yeah. And, and those are two super different things actually. Um, Mm -hmm. And if we think about that in the physical realm, you may go to the hospital when you're ill, but you go to the doctor for maintenance and sustaining wellness. And there are things you do at home. Um, So really BT is about uh, thinking through what, 
what different things are people maybe looking for around what wellness can look like? And so we're all about expressive therapies. Yeah. And uh, we're happy to talk to you about what expressive therapies are. Yes. But we're a small outpatient private practice. We see all ages of people, uh, fantastic clinicians. And I like to say I have the best job in the whole world. I've said that for lots and lots of years. When you work with inspired people, you stay inspired. And uh, people who love what they do share that in a very, they just live it. They embody it. Yeah. I'm very lucky. Yeah. It, and that's hard to come by. I mean, I I know it we is. talk about it all the time. It Being is. in a job that you love yes. makes a world of difference. Even if it's hard some days or, you know, challenging and and frustrating and all that stuff. When you truly love your job, yes. Yes. your mental health is so much different. And right. we've had people come into our waiting room. Uh, even this was about a month ago. Someone said, it feels different in here. Yeah. And and I heard in one day three different kinds of comments that were around, this place makes me smile. Yeah. And and I think that is because there are people working there who are healthy. Yeah. And when you live that that kind of energized and supported life, it comes out in the work you do. It's and kind of like a spa with what you guys are like when you really think about a spa, you know, it's taking care of your your muscles and your skin and all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. But I feel like yours is like that spa for your mental health. It, oh, that's <laughs> very nice, Andy. Like, it is. Yeah. Yes. There we go. Yeah. Yes. Like it's just it's a little bit different when you talk about expressive therapy and it's it's not just, OK, come in, sit on a couch. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you offer some pretty unique things. We do. Yeah. And uh, and so people may not be familiar with what expressive therapies are it's uh i would definitely share yeah so um it's a it's kind of a fancy term for talking about things that are are a little more experiential and and so it doesn't mean we don't offer sit on a couch because actually every office does have couches Uh, people can (laughs) sit down and talk Uh, i I think one of the most commonly known expressive therapies is play therapy Mm -hmm. and and so there are therapists who get trained, certified in various types of play therapy. We have a couple of therapists uh, becoming together who that's what they do. That is their jam. And uh, and expressive therapies go way beyond that. So music therapy is one of them. Mm. And uh, we have a music therapist uh, becoming together. We have, uh, I'm a poetry therapist myself. And and so somebody who focuses on the kind of written and symbolic expression of mental wellness. We have people who focus on the somatic side. So somatic means physical mm-hmm. and the way that mental health symptoms may show up in headaches or um, backaches or ten- muscle tension. We have somebody who does uh, yoga and um, mindfulness. We also have an energy worker that focuses on the more physical side of things. And then we have another clinician who is a dance and movement therapist. And Minnesota isn't huge into dance and movement therapy yet, but lots of states in the U.S. have whole programs on dance and movement therapy. Um, so we're, we're maybe a little late to the game, but dance and movement therapy is, is this thought process around uh, kinetic, so mm-hmm. movement-oriented, mm-hmm. and, and how maybe the oxymoron of, of like stillness and action. And yeah. and how do you center or ground, which really is a lot of what mindfulness is in um, 
and and doing it while you're moving. So yeah. I think lots of dancers would, would if we were had them in the room right now, they'd maybe say, "Oh, that's that's like where I am most right. with myself." Um, and we think about stillness so often as lack of movement, but right. uh, dance and movement therapists would say. Oh no, that's it's very self-aware. It's thoughtful. It's intentional, mm-hmm. and what uh, what a lot of people seek in therapy is is self-awareness and and learning about how what serves me also disturbs me. Yeah, and um, and so everything that makes us us, uh, we do the we talk about this all the time at becoming together. What makes us us is awesome. The goal in in therapy is not to change that. It's really to celebrate it. And it's to figure out what are my unmet needs mm-hmm. and how do I go about fulfilling them? Right. Um, and I got, we have to know ourselves in order to know what we need. Yeah. yeah. And again, that goes back to changing the perception of mental health. Yeah. Like it, yeah. Is, it is not about, oh, well, you know, I'm depressed or whatever. It's like that just maintenance of, of you know, and I can say this, I, I I've been seeing a therapist for the majority of my life, and I think everybody needs a therapist of whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a professional, whatever that looks like. But you can't do it all alone. Yeah. And too many people try to do it all alone, and yes. you can't do it all alone. And mm-hmm. sometimes you just need to say it, or you just need to dance it out, or you yep. need to draw it out, <laughs> or you need to whatever, and have some guidance around that. And I think that that, you know makes a world of difference in someone's life. But um, so we're going to come back. We uh, need to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll talk more about kind of mental health in general and how to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves, especially with um, some current climate. Wonderful. Going on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. You're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. everyone you're listening to twin cities pride amplified on am 950 i'm your co-host rena heisel as always here with andy otto executive director of twin cities pride uh, we are joined today with becky mcnatton the owner and president of becoming together therapy and wellness collective um, whom we very much appreciate joining us on the show today because we are talking about something so so important to the community yeah we are so <sighs> becky statistically we know that the lgbtq plus community um has a greater need for yes. mental health care. Um, last week, we were talking with Ryan about how uh, basically one out of two youth want to seek mental health, but they don't have access to it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that, you know, there's just kind of a lot going on um, from that perspective. You know, what do you think is contributing to such a high rate of need right now? Yeah, that's a great question. And probably for as many people as you ask, you'd get a different answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, every problem is multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my, my hypothesis is that we get something fundamentally wrong in our service offerings. Um, something is misattuned to what the needs are of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and no one person... It can answer what an entire community 
needs. Right. But but what is therapy mm-hmm. is something that becoming together is has really embraced and thought about. Um, I, how we've defined what therapy is is pretty one tracked. Yeah, um, we've said therapy is seeing a, a mental health professional who requires about six years to, or eight years of school to go and um, and sit on a couch across from someone in an office. And I think that works for some people great. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't for for lots of people. So I think first it's coming back to what is therapy even? Yeah. Um, and and what does therapy look like? And, and that can be, we say at Becoming Together, therapy is all the things. Therapy yeah. is sometimes walks in the woods. Sometimes therapy is sitting and journaling underneath the trees. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's ice fishing or um, sitting on a beach. It can be listening to music or playing in a band. Um, it can be painting. It, uh, it can also be talking to somebody. It can be talking to friends. It can be talking to mm-hmm. peers, some sort of peer-led option. Um, sometimes people also want to meet with someone who identifies as part of a community that they identify with. And mm-hmm. and so in, in a lot of ways, the mental health community has made it difficult in terms of access because we also share in the ongoing stigma and the kind of difficulty with accessing in what we say is required in order to be a mental health professional. Um, yeah. I think there's lots of us that say, you know, people don't necessarily need a, a clinical therapist. What they need is a community. They yeah. need uh, they need people who who witness and empathize and share in their circumstance. Uh, I'm a huge believer that the world simply needs more empathy mm-hmm. and knowing how that. to be yeah. with one another, that, that people feel like their hand is held on the walk that they walk. And um, and so that can look like having access to a clinical mental health provider, but I think it can also look like a lot of things. And long way of saying that um, I think part of it is really dialoguing with the LGBTQ community in what are the needs that are going unmet and and then how? How does that look? Mm-hmm. And if people were to say, well, um, what am I hoping to get out of therapy? Um and what would I, what would progress look like, or what would I hope for for myself if life was different? And and certainly, I also want to recognize that there are so many factors that are impacted and intersecting that that influence mental health for individuals in the LGBTQ yeah. community. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I think that's one thing you know, as someone in in the LGBTQ community. Um, you know, when I originally first started looking and seeking a therapist, um, it was for a specific reason. But I remember thinking to myself, how do I make sure that they're okay, like, with me? And oftentimes, you're, mm. you know, you're calling up a, a clinic, right? And you're like, yeah. okay, well, I need somebody to be cool with me being LGBTQ. And you're relying on that person who answers the phone to make a good judgment call for you. And yes. you're like, oh, you know, like that is in- incredibly intimidating. Yes. And I think oftentimes we have a tendency to be like, well, it's not worth going through that trauma because what if I walk into that room and, you know, I don't get the vibe that I need or I, you Absolutely. know, all of a sudden I'm feeling very awkward 
walk us through that. Like how how can we navigate? Because that's a, you know it's a hundred percent truth. Yep. But you you're not stuck, and I always tell people that you are not stuck. The therapist is there for you, and if it's not the right fit, it's okay. It's absolutely okay. Yeah, it's absolutely okay. I think um, I think twofold on that. One is that clinics and the mental health provider community has a responsibility to interact with the LGBTQ community and say, what does allyship look like? And how is it authentic and not performative? Anybody can post a pin or a a pronoun and they do not live what it means to be inclusive. Mm -hmm. And the vibe or the energy is not felt. And mm-hmm. um, and so there is something about uh, going to a an immersing in a community and saying, how does that show up? How does allyship show up? Yes. And um, so on on that side, there is absolutely responsibility and accountability mm-hmm. needed. From the client perspective, it's it's asking yourself what does what what does fit feel like? Yeah. Uh, and and. If you knew you had it, would you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think sometimes when it, it, you you kind of hit the nail on the head, Andy, when people will call a huge clinic and yeah. or, or anywhere and get an intake worker and then say, here's what I'm experiencing, and then rely on either a wait list that they sit on or uh, what feels like a random placement and wonder, is this person going to be who I want to work with? Mm-hmm. And how will I know I want to work with them? Yeah. Uh, I think this internal question of, well, what does my, what does this intuition or gut tell me? Yeah. And would I know safety? Yeah. Um, yep. And, and believe me, I understand when I'm saying that word, that for people who identify in a community that fundamentally experience lack of safety in lots of places, that's a challenging question. If people do not have the answer that's okay. Mm-hmm. It is something to consider, though, on what I know if I felt it yeah. um, and what I know if I felt at least even comfortable. Um, and does that have to be – is there a question I could ask to get at that? Um, sometimes there is. Some, sometimes people say – I've had people ask me, um, will you talk about yourself if I want to know? Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good question. It's yeah. a great question. That's a great question. Because they want to know, hey, will you like – if I want to know something about you, will you bring yourself into the into mm-hmm. the therapy session? Um, and so questions like that mm-hmm. can – if there's something that a person can identify, oh, I, I feel safe when or I feel comfortable when or uh, we know in the therapy world about 80% of people healing or progress or however you want to word that um, comes from a relationship. It's really rooted in connection. It's really rooted in a relationship. So it is, what do I need from someone Mm -hmm. in order to develop trust? And because trust is a profound element of relationship. So what do I need in order to do that? And, and if the person who I'm sitting with, I don't feel it with, that's okay. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll, they're, they're somebody else's person, but they're not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to hurt their feelings. You're not going to hurt like, their feelings. I say, oh, I say so many times, hey, uh, I'm going to ask you to do a really hard thing. And that's to tell me if it doesn't feel like a fit. Yeah. Uh, but I, I want to help you find it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I care about you. I care about your process. I want to help you find it. Um, and I 
it, that's a it's a really hard yeah. thing to do though to yeah. feel like you yeah. you're gonna you're gonna hurt somebody's feelings. I think it that's doesn't. a very important piece. What you just hit upon is that if somebody is not feeling like it's a fit, you are also there to try and help them find the right fit. Absolutely. And I think that um, for a lot of people, seeking out mental health care is an intimidating process, mm-hmm. as it is. Mm-hmm. And do you think um, maybe one part of the problem or a solution or a step forward would be in the mental health community more of an initiative to mark or to somehow put the information out there, hey, we are welcoming of clients from all communities, all backgrounds, I mean, is that just a piece of the puzzle that's kind of missing in so far as information when people are seeking mental health care? Like, where is safe? Where who specializes in anything? I, I think I think sometimes people don't know what different modalities are. So mm-hmm. I think what a little bit what you're referencing is uh, ed- education around what are the choices you even have, right? Yeah. Um, and and I see part of my role as a therapist. In, in sitting with somebody at least the first time as as thinking through with them uh here's what i'm hearing and here's what from what i know might be helpful for you and and sometimes that isn't me um mm-hmm. because it's a it's a type of training it's a type of work it's a a specific modality that maybe i don't do but i will help somebody find that thing um and and of course, well, that's part of why we go to a professional. We might say, "I don't know what I don't know," um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start here, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. see what you what you say. Um, but part of what you're sharing is having a little bit more understanding of what are the things, mm-hmm. and uh, and when we ta- speak to the LGBT LGBTQ community specifically, trauma is huge. Mm-hmm. It is so pre- prevalent. Um, And I think that knowing clinics that say we offer trauma modalities is a very important – maybe doing some – clinics need to do a better job of saying, hey, here's what we offer. Mm -hmm. Um, But for for an understanding to occur for clients or potential people who are seeking it out saying, I need to process trauma. Mm -hmm. I need to process trauma. Um, Do you have training? In right. that, mm-hmm. uh, if you if the therapy for you is is a professional, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and I you know that's I think there's so many misconceptions about like we talked about earlier what therapy actually is and can be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think about a runner. I am not a runner. I only run for cake or if a bear's chasing me. I'm just going to say that out loud. <laughs> um, but I think about those runner. You know, they they put their headphones in and they hit the pavement and it's, you know, their feet and that focus that, that can be considered therapy. Absolutely. Um, especially those that do it, you know, on a steady basis, but there's so many misconceptions. What do you think the biggest misconception about therapy is? Uh, well, okay. My, but the biggest yeah. one for yeah. me Have is that it. it's a thing and not a, a paradigm. Mm. Uh, I actually think it's a framework in the way that we look at the world. Um, and when we see the world as uh, a space for healing is shared because mm-hmm. pain is shared, we uh, entirely view therapy different. It is not necessarily something we do. It is something we are. Um, and I know that sounds pretty abstract, but I think I'll give you a story if I have time yeah, for yeah, a quick go, story. Do it. Yes. Um, in our waiting room, we had a white coffee table. 
that one of my coworkers purchased. And there's a little kiddo who, in the waiting room, was coloring on a color sheet and slipped, crayon slipped, went onto the table. And kiddo looks at their parent. This happened maybe a few months ago. Kiddo looks at their parent terrified. Like, yep. oh, my gosh, I just colored on the table. Um, and in that moment, parent, I think, we for those of us who are parents, we're like, dang it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> my kid just colored on the table in the waiting room. Uh, of course that happened. Uh, one of my coworkers goes over to the table, takes a crayon, colors across the entire table, and says, whoops, I colored on the table too. Um and kid looks at her and says, you colored on the table too. <laughs> um, and then they laughed about it. And instantaneously, parent settles, kid settles. Mm-hmm. And th- that started of what is has become a tradition at our office of there is all sorts of words, phrases, pictures on this table now that people literally color on the table. I love that. Um, and that started that afternoon that then kids started to give my coworker even like, hey, will you write such and such all over the table? Um, and I'm, I'm using that as an example of the expansive thought of it's a paradigm. It, it, it is the way that we give grace to ourselves. It mm-hmm. is the way that we interact with other people, that we give grace to other people, that we say there is a story always present for somebody else that we don't see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, all of those things are therapy. How do we live that out? How do we live out our self-awareness when we know we're activated and and or dysregulated? Uh, When are we maybe our best self or not our best self? Um, How are we, how do we share that with other people? How do we know what we need in those moments? So I say, what's the biggest misconception? It's that like, it's a thing we go do once a week we talk about some stuff. We tip the cup over, uh, unload some things, yep. and then we walk out. Um, to me, it is that it, it is not that. Yeah, it, which is hundred <laughs> percent. I, I mean, I can like picture myself, and I picture my own kids. I mean, I know one of them had she colored on the table. It would have been instant tears because yes! the fear of being like in trouble yes. and letting someone down and like letting herself down of, I should have stayed in the lines. I should have whatever. Mm-hmm. Now my other kiddo would have been like, cool. Oops. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. like I meant to do that. <laughs> now I've made it pretty, yes, you know, right. like mm-hmm. it, it's just, it's so crazy that everybody takes situations like that and just make it completely different in their own head. Mm-hmm. And perception of all of that is, is so different depending mm-hmm. on who you're looking at it and how you're looking at it. And, um, you know, unfortunately in the LGBTQ community, um, there's just so many things coming at us all at once. And now, unfortunately, with some current climate of a lot of hate being spewed over to us, I think we have a tendency to kind of go back into our shell yeah, and put up a protective wall because we yep, don't want to be sure. hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, And then you have this fear of, you know, okay, well, if I go seek help because I'm struggling with, um, you know, uh, somebody on the news who said this or a show that did this or, um, you know, I saw someone do this or they said um, something to me just this morning, our office, one of our windows was tagged. And my first initial instinct was to quick blow it up and see if it was a hate crime. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like yeah. Yeah. instantaneously, I was like, I've got stuff to get that off. 
sad that I already had that at the office, but right. I do. Yeah. Right. And my instantaneous is how is that going to affect my staff? Is it a hate thing? Now are we going to fear what what is going to happen? And my it's just that internal protective mode that I think, unfortunately, the community lives in. Lives in. A twenty four seven, and it's important to acknowledge, mm-hmm. but it's also important to how you know we deal with that. And so, mm-hmm. if you're speaking to someone who needs to take those first steps, or you know a, a family member who is seeing that there is someone in their family that needs to find that place to take care of their mental well being, mm-hmm. what's your recommendation? Yeah, well. You know, I, I, I want to highlight something that you just spoke to that that is so much of therapy as well, and that is creating safe space mm-hmm. in a physical space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is when therapy can be all the things. Sometimes an office is the space mm-hmm. uh, when so much of the world isn't safe. And, and that symbolism of, hey, I don't know where else in my world is is even physically safe, mm-hmm. uh, let alone emotionally safe mm-hmm. or psychologically safe. But this is, and I've had that said to me. In fact, just last week it was, Becky, this is my like this is my spot. Yeah. Um, the person looked out the window. There's trees behind our building, and um, and we talked about what does this what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does this is my spot mean? But even in a couple of weeks, this person has come to see, like, I I get to be me here. Yeah. I get to be me here. And that's – it was profound to me. Um, and I'm honored to be – get to be a part of that mm-hmm. for someone. But I do think that, that f- that's – Part of why it's so important to find a person who you can feel safe with right. yeah. um, because that office starts to have a meaning all by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't answer your question. Like, no, at that's all. okay. That's all right. But <laughs> I I, it, it's a good point. And I'd like to point out that the the tag was not a hate crime. It was just someone trying to do beautiful art. That's totally fine. Beautiful um, art. Beautiful yes. art. Okay. I mean, come to me. Uh, we'll talk about how you could make all my windows beautiful art. But that's besides the point. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, that you would. It's, it's, a that it's a worry even to begin with. Yeah. That, yeah that, that's, that's where your head goes yeah, immediately. Immediately. Um, yeah. and, and part of the of the or just a, a reminder of the reality yep. that that is the it's it's in the thought process mm-hmm. and part of the trauma yeah because i'm a trans man and i make it very well known mm-hmm. and that is always it's always a thought of mm-hmm. one i need to protect my staff i need to protect myself i need to protect my family and like it's that instantaneous thought and i know i'm not the only one i know that there is parts of our community um especially those in in the bipoc and people of color mm-hmm. um our brown and black folks who i mean they they've got a couple different layers going at them i mean for goodness sakes if you are a black trans woman huh, like I can use my privilege to slide by as a white cis man, but, you know, black trans women are getting it all the time. And so I I worry about their mental health and I worry about them not accessing what they need to because of fear. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes the our clinic tends to operate on word of mouth 
mostly mm -hmm. uh, when people have a trusted friend or a trusted coworker or someone who uh, – that's how a lot of our folks come to us. Mm -hmm. And they've asked somebody else and that person trusts who they see. Mm -hmm. And then they say, well, I, can I go there too? Can I get the phone number? Um, I I almost always tell people if what you're doing is taking the first step, start with somebody who you know in your world, who you already trust, mm -hmm. and ask them if they know of something. And I, I think about um, I think about most times where I've looked for a resource, I often start with the people who I know, yeah. right. And um, and already have a relationship with. And now I understand that if you're a kiddo, you maybe don't you don't even know who other kiddos are yeah. are seeing. Yep. But a lot of kids now do. They uh, they look yep. on their they look on TikTok. They look on Snap. Um, yep. And and so uh, like our organization is not one that markets or advertises. Um, but we are uh, that word of mouth, and I do believe that that's a lot of where you find the real folk. Um, yeah, where it's do. people who are already coming who say, "I've had a good experience here," yeah. <laughs> and also I've had a bad experience here, <laughs> or like, had a bad experience. Yeah, <laughs> I right. mean, I I joke, and and people don't really know this about Twin Cities Pride, but when we start to talk about vendors that come in, if there has been a history in the path the past of not a good experience. I will go to that company and we've got to have a conversation because I need to know that if you are stepping foot in that festival and I'm saying you're LGBTQ friendly, you better be LGBTQ you friendly. You better be, yeah. Because otherwise I'm going to call you out. Yes. And so like – and that is a lot of um, why I think sometimes people are like, oh, the festival's a big party. It is a big party in celebrating our diversity and inclusion and where we've come. But it's also a place for people to understand resources and mm -hmm. be like – Oh, you know what? I remember seeing that company there, and so you know they're safe and they're friendly. And if they can interact with six hundred thousand LGBTQ folks um, and their allies, then clearly, yes, you know mm -hmm. we're in a good spot. And yes. so, like a word of mouth. I mean, I know uh, one of my coworkers at the office also has the same therapist that I do because. I was like, I highly recommend this person, and here's why, because mm -hmm. I feel safe. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it is word of mouth. And when we were at Pride last year, uh, having people walk around, and it, you all do such an amazing job with that, that there is a trust if – if people are there, if providers are there, mm -hmm. that 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 is a thing. Yeah, um, oh. because people have said, "Oh, you're safe." Yep, a hundred percent, because they trust that we've done our job yes. and that the folks that are going to be there are safe. So, on that note, we're going to quick take a short break, and we'll be back to talk a little bit more with Becky. Um, the owner and president of Becoming Together Therapy and Wellness Collective, which I think is a great name. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We are back and you're listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950, 
I'm your co-host, Rena Heisel, along with Andy Otto, Executive Director of Twin Cities Pride. We've been talking about mental health, mental health care, mental health care in the LGBTQ plus community with Becky McNen, owner and president of Becoming Together Therapy and Wellness Collective. We are so happy to have you here you. because this is mm. such a huge topic for, for uh, the community right now. And something I am hoping maybe you can give us a little guidance on for our listeners is sure. if you are concerned about maybe not yourself, but a loved one. What is a way to maybe go about having that conversation to have them reach out to get some sort of professional guidance, therapy, help? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think on a couple of things on that right away. Um, one is that very often in a family system if a, if, or in a, a friendship system, whoever is in your world, mm-hmm. uh, mental health issues impact more than the person who mm-hmm. is experiencing them. Yeah. It really is a, a system thing. Mm-hmm. And and so we end up seeing at, at, at Becoming Together frequently lots of people in the family. Yeah. One person might be the kind of first precipitating um, member. Mm-hmm. and that, But uh, if you are worried about somebody, sometimes that's a key for maybe I need – I would like to have therapy. Yeah. Um, maybe I need – some guidance or support. This happens a lot with parenting. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know what mm-hmm. to do. So, you know, one of my thoughts is is this a, a opportunity for for the person who's worried about somebody else to think about their own therapy. Right. Um as particularly if what we're doing is is on a mission to change what what mental health is and that it's yeah. about wellness and, and not illness. That we would say, how do I help promote wellness for for my my person who I'm worried about, but also for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'm thinking about with it is is first, as the person is worried about another person, to ask how often are we talking about mental health to begin with? Yeah. Um, is this part of our our regular conversation? Mm-hmm. And in a family or a friend group or an extended family, even coworkers. Is this a conversation we're already having? Um, and is the conversation one that feels trusting? Like, can I say, hey, so what, what color is the world for you today? And not necessarily a how are you, and I'm, am I actually wanting an answer back? Yeah. yeah. Um, because lots of times we don't. Mm-hmm. We ask a how are you, but all we want to hear is good. Um, <laughs> we don't actually want to hear I'm struggling. Right. Yeah. Um, so... Before we even say something, those are the two things that I'm thinking about are how will I receive this? Is this, is this an opportunity for therapy for me? Also, am, how, how much a part of a conversation is this? Am I the person to even be asking this? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like a three-pronged question. Like, does this need to be said? Does this need to be said by me? And does this need to be said right by me right now? And and. And sometimes we're not the person, even right. if we are worried about someone. Um, but if we get past those things, I think approaching someone and saying, hey, I'm worried about you. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about you. Um, and and I, I don't necessarily have the answers on, on what to do, but I feel like I, I, I feel like someone's up. Mm-hmm. And how can I support you? in getting what you need. Um, but you have to really be able to honor or answer honestly. I want to hear the answer. Yeah. yeah. I want to hear the answer. I always have that question. What would happen in the world if everybody answered the how are you question truthfully? Oh. <laughs> it would mm-hmm. change. I mean, 
it would literally, if people started answering that question truthfully, other than just, okay, I'm good, good. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. If they actually started being like, you know what, today's a really crappy day and I'm not doing so hot. Yep. Like what that would do and how much that would change and impact. And then when somebody is truly like, I'm fantastic, man, I want to know what they're doing yeah. so that I can be fantastic too. Yeah. Well, that, but, it's like, how can, how do I celebrate that with you too? Yeah, like, because uh, as I need that. feels are, are, are not facts right. and they come and they go and, and so then we also can understand. Oh, like you're if you're doing amazing. Today's a joyful day. Yeah, I, w- I want to be in on that too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So Becky, you wrote a you wrote a book. I did. Tell us about that book. Well, the book is called Shapes of Us, mm-hmm. and I it is about what I call the shattering. And I believe that all of us experience moments in our lives that cause us to shatter. Yeah. And so the book is about shapes. It's a it's a children's book, but I have had lots of feedback from adults who have read it and said, "Whoa, this was this spoke to me." Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a triangle that is perfect and does all the perfect things that a triangle could do uh, until it shatters. And um, we don't know in the book what happens to the triangle, and that is because that was intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, it can shattering can happen all sorts of ways, and mm-hmm. and the triangle gets thinking I need to reshape again. And as a therapist for lots of years, I used to ascribe to the model of, okay, so you you shape after shattering and you can never be the same shape again, but you shape. Um, And I realized from my own personal experiences through the last couple of years that I had that totally wrong. Yeah. Mm. Um, I had that totally wrong. Um, The missing piece to that was that we do not shape by ourselves. And it hit me about a year ago when I was actually on a walk that what what if instead of shape we shared and we took our shattering and shared it with other people's shattering, what shapes could we make together Hmm. uh, if if we took courage in empathizing Mm -hmm. and um, being present with other people's pain? What if if pain was shared? And and so the purple triangle shatters and in its shattering sees other shapes that are struggling too. and and that are also kind of hiding. And and by the end of the book realizes that what if it wasn't any shape alone, but rather the shapes as a collective. And um and it's so it's a powerful book about empathy and belonging and uh and I'm on a mission, my personal mission as a poetry therapist is to write about emotional awareness and intelligence, emotional mm-hmm. intelligence mm-hmm. on topics we're not talking about. Um yeah. feeling books that are out there are about about happy, sad, and angry. Sometimes angry. Yes. Um, we don't usually talk about these like harder to understand things. And so True. via metaphor, um, I'm hoping to do that. So parents have an opportunity to talk to their kids. One really powerful moment for me with the book was uh, a seven-year-old asked their parent, so what shape are you, dad? And mm. uh, dad came to me later and said, I do I didn't know what to say, but it was like really profound. And I said, well, yeah. see, kids, I have it already. They're yeah. brilliant. Um, they are brilliant. They're brilliant. Yeah. And they get it in such simplistic terms that I think as adults, sometimes we overcomplicate things. Yeah. You know? and, and we teach children how to cover up yeah. all of that uh, automatic empathy and compassion and kindness that they have for one another. And, and, and we, we actually show them how to say you're doing fine when you're not doing fine. Yeah. When kids are like, I don't, 
but I actually wasn't doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. that's so true. We, <laughs> and we do. We like are like suck it oh. up and you know go to school and do years your ago thing. I did a yoga therapy. I became a yoga thera- therapy certified trainer. Um, yoga therapy is a thing. I can talk to you about that for another hour someday. <laughs> um, but as as children, children laugh on average a hundred times a day. By the time we turn eighteen, we laugh ten. Oh wow! So we oh we teach children. Sometime by the time they turn 18, that literally there isn't an opportunity to laugh anymore. Wow. We must be the rarity in our office because we laugh <laughs> way too much. Right. Well, that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Also, it's an inspired office, I bet. It yeah. is. It is. It is. Yeah. Oh, well, my goodness. Okay. Just like that. Yeah. That flew. We're, we're out of time, as <laughs> usual, because we could continue to go on forever. But I want to say a huge thank you to Becky for yeah. being thank here today. Thank you for today. having me. Thank, thank you. you to your entire team at Becoming Together. You all are fantastic and are huge supporters of our community. And, you know, we just can't get through life without our allies and our support teams and our community Mm -hmm. members that step up. And so I want to make sure I thank you for that. Um, We'll be back next week talking about how to get involved in activities at the Twin Cities Pride uh, festival and office and everything else under the sun. We thank you for being with us today and we hope you can join us next Saturday at 3 p.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Let's take care of each other all year long. We're all